Good evening, fellow Gooners, and welcome to another episode of Canon Talk. I'm your Mona and my co-host as usual, Aiden. How's it, guys? You know, another week gone by, no football, no in sport, and we just keep on rolling, you know, trying to keep you guys entertained, and I hope it's actually, you know, helping somewhat to ease the stress of corona and not make you miss Arsenal too much. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know if you've now, I'm sure most of our listeners have now heard about the Arsenal players now agreeing that 12% uh, pay cut. Because, I mean, I think it was also a lot of work done by people like, uh, you know, Michael Ateta and even Bellerin, who's like part of that players' union, you know, based at the club. Because I think the, the, the standard was kind of set last week, I believe, because Arsenal's executive uh, board, they decided they were going to already agree to the, the pay cut before now. You know, almost like was now set in stone now with regards to the players, because there was quite a bit of turmoil. I don't know if you recall last week's podcast where I mentioned it's almost like still up in the air. But now, with this whole thing, from what I heard now, like in the last few hours, I heard um, Arsenal now have said, "Look, if you qualify for the Champions League, you guys get that pay difference." You know, they're taking the pay cut now; they can yeah. part of it. Now, this is my question, and I mean, this is like for you also. Do you think this is not going to almost like set a sort of target, you know, on the horizon of the players knowing if they can put everybody else to that, the post now for that third or fourth or even like what fifth spot, if it, that, that ban of cities uh, sticks, the ban of city. Does this now give Arsenal that the players that incentive now to know, okay, if we win, the, go on a sort of crazy run now where we can, you know, win probably 80% or 80 or 90% of our remaining games and get that. Champions League position, do you think that would be now the sort of fire they need up the backside? <laughs> um, my heart is telling me yes, but my head's telling me no. To be honest, how many times have we spoken about it? Not even financial incentives, but talk about, you know, you, the Premier League's right there for you, or top four's right there for you, or Europa League's there for you to get in the Champions League. I don't know, the, the, the maybe with Nicola Tete it could be different. But I don't see it happening. It's like the moment you tell them do this and you'll get rewarded, it's like they will. No, but my my point is, look, they are now like kind of hit in the pocket because, other, you know, in previous what you now just mentioned, even if we fail this or we fail that, the players were still getting the full pay at the end of the day. So it wasn't like they're really being hit in the pocket. Now it's like with this whole coronavirus thing, it's now finally now showing, look, you are going to be now hit in the pocket because of that. But that's what... what... 12 12% on 25. like, the, like, I would say 12%, eh? Yeah. So, even like, I mean, that's on a weekly wage, is what <laughs> they earn. Some of them earn like 100k a week. I mean, that's 12%. Talk about 10,000 pounds is coming off them. <laughs> I'm sure, like, a lot of them still like sleep comfortably at night. But for me personally, I just don't think they will have enough. You know, I want to sound positive and, you know, yeah. but I've seen it too much before. Like, I know it's a different scenario now where the pocket is hit, but I've seen it so many times before where there's been so many incentives and being told, if you do this, this will happen. But I don't know. I just personally don't see it happen. And what's your take on, like, the, this whole thing? Do you think they have the, the stomach, as we say, for the fight to get there? I, I mean, you know, the money thing aside, I just think the sort of run that we were on, I mean, it was showing signs of positivity. 
We were starting to clock up now. Clean sheets was which was like almost like a rarity in the first part of the season. And I just think I don't know with that sort of incentive of knowing. Look, you can you know you know at the end of the line it could be a, you know qualification for the Champions League, and you know that that almost like the, the pot of gold of that bonus of just qualifying for it, and then of course getting sold that sort of pay difference, you know, back from the club as well out of their, uh, their pockets. So I don't know. I mean, it, it, as I said, like, as, as I, like you know, I think what three or four weeks ago when we were talking about who comes out of the blocks quickest. I mean, who's like not only kept themselves physical for the right period of time, but also who like look with them when the official training starts when you cannot start training as a group again. Who's gonna come off quicker? You know, as I said. The, the, the physios and, and, and fitness coaches, they're going to probably be vital in, in all this to see, you know, who comes off firing out of the blocks because uh, the Man United were already on such a good run. We were on a good run. Liverpool were eating a wobble. Spurs almost like just clinging for, for Harry Kane and, and Son to come back. They should probably be fit by the time the league, you know, does commence. And, I mean, you've got Chelsea... It was almost like they're coming with a whole crop of young rising stars also in this squad, so it's going to be tough. It, it, the longer this wears on, I feel that it's going to you know, be the the team that um, has the best fitness staff that's going to end up pipping the, like, the third and fourth spot, and or even the fifth spot as well. Like if, like you said, the Man City band sticks so. I do believe that you know the teams that wanted most, in combination with the fitness staff and the doctors and everything, are the teams that's going to get the top, the Champions League spot. So Arsenal's going to need to show that they want it. But as you did make some very valid points, is that Arsenal started looking a better team. They were grinding out the results. So you know who knows what could happen should they, you know, start have a good strong strong start and pick up early points when we, re- we resume whenever that may be. Yeah. I don't know, one thing it's also been standing out almost like a, it's a sore thumb now when you look at, at um, you know, since not having live sports, I think sometimes one also reads now more, you know, sports headlines or sports newspapers stuff like that. And, you know, what I'm actually quite shocked at is this amount of uh, you know, as they say clickbait articles that are just floating about. I mean, the sort of rumours I've seen so far in this, like, just easy, like, this past seven days alone, where the one thing, like, like two or two or three rumours stuck in my head is, like, the one was um, us selling Lacazette to uh, to Atletico Madrid and then getting Diego Costa in return. I mean, that is something quite bizarre, which, you know, you wouldn't mind it, of course, but I mean, the, the, the way they're throwing out the fig, you know, facts and figures it, it doesn't make sense. And then there was this other clown, I forgot the journalist's name, I think he writes for the Daily Mirror. He wrote something like, like the headline was, um, Arsenal wins the league with 106 million. Then, and I thought to myself, you know, that, that sounds, you know, you know, like magical, like a magical thing right now. You know, we always tend to think or figure out how we're gonna, you know, raise the funds to get some sort of, you know, budget to fight, you know, the the the, the rest in the in the top half of the league. And then when I go on the article, it's this this guy was playing football manager, and he was he was using. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I was waiting in anticipation to hear that your 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 players that we could bring in to save our club. 
Yeah, because look, my my mindset was, look, when I just saw the headline, I thought it's going to be, you know, these players are now going to be available on a free in the summer. And I was thinking it's, it's more down to us bumping up, you know, wages and signing on fees. But when I when I saw the, this dude has played football manager 2020, I think, or something like that, and then I thought, Jesus, how can you now come make that sort of comparison now to reality? I I also read an article, um, I can't remember, was it Paul Merson or somebody that said that Arsenal should just, you know, whatever Aubameyang wants as a salary, pay it because they're going to be in that same situation with maybe Van Persie or even Ramsey where you end up losing a quality player and you're not able to replace them quick enough in a quick enough time. And it seems like that's Arsenal's biggest problem. It's like they don't have that understudy to, to, to almost, you know, take over from the next person like we used to have in the past. Like, we, we had an up-and-coming youngster that was waiting in the wings and then, you know, he, he, he takes over. Like, Fabregas almost took that mantle from the era. And then we just didn't have... Uh, like, once Fabregas left, it's like we had that hole there. So it's like, now with the bombing, you know, if he gets sold, I know we thought about Raul Jimenez, who would for me be a good replacement, but, you know, to to you risk it all with Aubameyang and does he also take the risk because I read also that you know he's wherever he goes now he's not going to be a guaranteed first teamer like he is at Arsenal I mean the only thing I can really you know if you want to make comparisons I still think Arsenal can make a lot of money out of the player in even in the final year of his contract whereas remember how that the closer we came to Ramsey's that final year that, that wage that, that certain teams were offering was, was just being chipped away, chipped away, chipped away. And the same with Alexis Sanchez. I mean, look, we probably valued him at easy 70 million. And by the time that that, uh, that uh, one window came along when that uh, swap took place, it was almost like it, it ended up him going for something like 25 million. So when you think of, of, of what teams are actually offering now for Aubameyang, where you're looking at that, at like probably between 45 and, and 55. And, and I mean, if you like, just take his age into consideration and how much time he's got left on the contract. So, I mean, it, it could be a hell of a better to Arsenal. I mean, if, if they do decide to cash in, I mean, I wouldn't, of course. I, I mean, I like him as a player. I think he contributes a hell of a lot to the squad. But, you know, if push comes to shove and he, you know, he's forcing his hand somewhat, then I mean, I'll, who are we then to, you know, almost like deny that sort of money then? Yeah, if it comes to, to, to forcing the hand and he does something like that, then I guess, you know, you have to let the player go if it is truly his wishes. But, I mean, if there's a way to get him to stay, don't you think it would be beneficial for the club to kind of just maybe get him some bit more support and then maybe he can push us into the Champions League? Yeah, what do you think? I mean, I, that's how, look, you remember last season or even start of the season when things also going a bit sour for... For Lacazette, I I would rather say lose somebody like Lacazette than somebody with Aubameyang because you know even on an off day you know Aubameyang can give you the goals and that whereas Lacazette if he's having an off day you're gonna get nothing from him. You know that maybe it would be a good idea if you sell Lacazette you can bring a Raul Jimenez in and he can kind of you know work with Aubameyang for a season or so and then. If you get a bumming, just extend the contact, sell him afterwards. If you can, maybe squeeze out another year in him. Yeah, because I mean, if you think also, 
what Martinelli probably still has to offer if we, you know, keep him. And then there's also that talk of, of even through all this uh, Corona talk, and that there's also now of, of uh, talk of uh, Bukayo Saka getting that that uh, contract extension. And I mean, for me, it's going to also be valuable to tie people like him up, even if he's already on, on like, you know, he's still got say two, three years. But I mean, you, you sign him up for even longer because then you know you're almost like safeguarding him as a player and as for us as a club. I have, you know, moving on from that, I have two yeah. things that I want to take up from the archive. I might open some wounds here. It's two different topics. But the first one, and I know it, 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 it could be an obvious one, but for you, which red card still hurts you the most? You know, do, do you go back to the um, Barcelona Van Persie red card or do we go to the Barcelona... Jens Lehmann, red card, or is there any other red card for you that still haunts you? I think it's that, that Lehmann one, because I'll never forget, I, mean, I can also never forget the, the whole build-up to the game. It was, you know, the, the Champions League final, and, and finally, in our lifetime, we are seeing like our squad in the, in, the, in the final. And then to have that, almost like that dream kind of taken away from you within, like, what was it, five minutes or so? And then you think to yourself, when if you take that, that for easily from that red card, the point of that red card to middle part of the second half, Arsenal went toe to toe with Barcelona, and I mean that was now down to you know ten men, and you know told to like, even sometimes today when I, when you watch now certain highlights or they talk about certain eras and then you still think to yourself what would have been if we had now gone like, eleven v eleven for that whole game because. I- it, it almost like took lack of concentration late on in the game for us to, you know, throw that game away. I, I do think that would have been our Champions League because we started extremely well and we we were on top of them and Barcelona was struggling. I mean, they came there with that, you know, um, Eto and Ronaldinho, all those these guys. And I mean, Arsenal came there as a team, as a unit. And, you know, like you said, went toe-to-toe and... For me, I'd, like you said, what could have been, I'd, and I read an article where I brought it up, it's because like, Alex Ferguson was at the stadium as well, and Jens Lehmann. Uh, there's an old article that I uh, just read when he said that, you know, after he got the red card, how he went into the um, shower and just sat there and couldn't believe it, and then went on to, um, with Alex Ferguson, say, I can't remember what Alex Ferguson said something and looked at him, and then he put his kid on his lap afterward and just cried. And I felt so hard, so for me, and then I thought back to, of like, you know, what could have happened. And then also, you know, just going to that Barcelona one with um, Robin Van Persie. I mean, Arsenal were also on their way through, possibly. And then, you know, another poor decision from a referee. And then, you know, moving on from that sadness to another question, like, with regards to the season that Leicester won the title... Yeah. Don't you feel that that could have been a title-winning season for Arsenal? Where do you think it went wrong? I just think that... <laughs> I mean, I still can't believe how that, you know, played out. Because remember how you and I were almost like off-strutting ourselves, you know, with a chest out after Arsenal beat Leicester in that last minute at the end. Yes. And after that was now, Q, you know, home straight, we're going to now do this. <laughs> and like after that, after that came, it was almost like a jinxer. Because after that, we just ended up, the wheels just literally came off badly, that squad. 
It is a like debut a... of Rashford, yeah, scoring two goals at the at, at Old Trafford to beat Arsenal 3-2, followed by Swansea beating us. So I think it was Fabianski who played the game of his life against Arsenal. It was also some mad moments. Uh, you know, what you know, I just mentioned, it almost like throws me back to that, um, that Champions League where we played Chelsea also. Oh. Hard work in the, what was it, semi-finals? It was the quarters we drew 1-1 at, at the bridge. And also took the lead in the in the second leg, and then of course that at the end that was like we just you know lost our goal, and then in, almost like with the, the scores at one one again in the second leg, everybody was now thinking okay extra time and penalties, and then Wayne Bridge pops up. Oh man, that's hard. I, th- I think that was probably I think you mentioned it, and I think we always talk about it. I think that was the season for Arsenal to win the Champions League. I mean Porto went on to go and win it. But I mean, if Arsenal had to just get through that hurdle, I think there would there was no there was no Barcelona or Real Madrid in their way. I think that was probably one of the seasons where we threw the Champions League away. And I think that, that I think that was also a type of season. Now that you mentioned, where many of the top top fo- clubs in football, world football were going like through transitions, so they were struggling, you know, like adjusting a, or building the squad up again. Because you had like Bayern falling by the wayside, you had Madrid falling by the wayside, the top Italian squads also falling by. And all of a sudden, it was what, Monaco in the final with Porto? Wasn't Monaco it? with Porto, yes. I mean, Arsenal probably would have had a field day with both teams. Maybe Mourinho would have had a trick up his sleeve. But I do feel Arsenal would have, that was their Champions League to win. And I think, you know, a, a brilliant and great coach as Wenger was, his failures, I think, was to never turn Arsenal to a back-to-back title-winning side or taking more honours, Champions League, etc. Maybe an additional... I mean, add a calling cup in there when we, we, we've had the opportunity to do it. We just never crossed that finish line. Yeah. I we always... And I mean, you remember that the, there was also a period where after the move to the Emirates, where we also became known for, uh, you know, losing a title race in November and March. We we always either you have that, that like a massive wobble in in the November month. Yes, yes, yes. They kind of pull it right over the festive period. <laughs> January kind of you know goes fifty fifty. February goes normally positive, and then comes March, and then it's like everything just goes awry, and then you've got April and and uh, May <laughs> the catch up, and then it's like too late. Yeah, it's uh, the season that springs to mind is that. 2010-2011 season where that was probably the worst that I felt as a fan like the one week we're beating Stoke we beat Barcelona and we're going to play a calling cup final to probably end our drought against Birmingham City we get knocked out against Birmingham City in the final we knocked out of the Champions League and then we went to go draw to I think Spurs and Liverpool back to back and then the title you know, race is out the window I don't, you know, now that you mentioned these this <laughs> awkward moments, you know, one game that I can't get out of my system, I don't think I've ever really told you this, but it's that game when we were still at Highbury, it was us going to toe with United for the title. And then I think last, I don't know if it was last day or second last day, uh, game of the season, where we ended up losing at Leeds, and we and that was like, it was like one of and those bankers, it would have been a banker. 3-2, it was a 3-2, uh, eh? and then we went to go lose the title by a point or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, that till today, because the other day when I was going through the channel, they were playing like a rerun of that title race. And I, the minute it came to that and I saw Viduka score that one, <laughs> I just switched off the TV. I thought, ah, oh, God, I know this torture again. 
Well, not the first yeah. time that we went on to, to do that. I mean, the 98-99 season as well, we were in pole position and then we also just let the wheels come off. Yeah, and I mean, it's normally that, uh, like, what's it, seven days of hell where <laughs> a game gets thrown away on the on the Sunday, then we lose the Champions League game on the midweek and then <laughs> FA Cup game, we get knocked out of it <laughs> the following weekend. Um, wait, uh, the one thing I also wanted to mention was, you know, besides now with your career and that, and at times you know I've also had to work at home. How do you keep yourself actually occupied now, like you know, with no live sport? Because look, I know you're a big lover of, of besides football now, you love cricket, you love rugby. There's nothing of that now on TV, just reruns or relives as they call it. And I mean, I'm at, like just to like from my perspective. I mean, I'm gonna listen now to what you have to say, but. I mean, like, for me, I'm actually watching now <laughs> reruns of, like, North London derbies, you know, Arsenal comebacks, Arsenal, hat, you know, famous hat-tricks for Arsenal players. So what are you now doing, like, whether it's on social media or, you know, TV or anything like that? Um, first of all, on our social media, I'm starting to get our social media pages up and running. Um, on Facebook, we have our Canon Talk page, and then also on Twitter, I've been very involved now with our Twitter page as well. Um, and then you know, I want to get our Instagram up and running as well. And then I would like to also show our listeners your amazing mug you have as well, which I want to post at the Canon Talk podcast mug, which is one of the greatest Arsenal mugs I've seen. Um, but also other than that, um, I've been trying to teach myself some forex skills as well, some trading, and then as well as starting to indulge in some new series as well that maybe I wouldn't have watched into the past. Yeah, because I mean, at the moment, <laughs> at times what I'm also doing is I've also started playing, uh, you know, with FIFA 20. I, I like doing the, you know, the career modes. And, you know, I normally used to just bail out after a few Yeah. Just, you remember, then you used to tell me, oh, man, you're starting again. But, I mean, I've actually now stuck it out. And I think I took something like uh, Stevenage, from the from League Two now to uh, the Championship, but I mean I've not used any, you know that that financial takeover money and <laughs> use that you know that one point three or something million that they have as a budget. But I mean it's about you you now learn certain things now of of players. You also taking our interest in almost like younger players trying to scout the top teams for all some of the young, you know youngsters that they have in excess that they're willing to let go or loan out. So, I mean, I'm actually enjoying that also now, that side of things. Coaches in the lower leagues, or I'm sorry, um, maybe chairmen in the lower leagues. I hope you guys are listening. We have money <laughs> that you can possibly <laughs> take. You know, Steven each is a potential coach you could get to do the job and maybe bring you back to the Premier League. Uh, jokes aside, though. So, it's, uh, you know, put a wrap on the pod now. Um, I hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. You know, stay safe as usual. And till the next one, bye. Bye-bye, guys.